1: Wow, I could really use current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers tea news that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Weekly, the Tea Biz Podcast and Tea Biz Blog offer business insights on the news that most impacts the tea industry. Paired with Tea Journey Magazine for tea enthusiasts, the Tea Biz Portal is a global resource providing nuanced coverage for everyone who loves tea. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. There's ample tea for sanctioned Russians. Kenya's tea industry suffers collateral damage. And Tata Consumer Products is on the hunt. Plus, a conversation with Kevin Gascon on the evolution of experiential retail. Gascon, a partner at Camellia Sinensis in Montreal, it says our stores have always offered options to smell the tea, but we wanted to capture that special tasting moment and offer the possibility to take it further in our newly remodeled tea room. More in a minute, but first this important message.
2: What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Keilani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia tea estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka.
1: After six months of sanctions, the tea aisles in Russian grocery stores display few European brands, but the shelves are not bare. A Moscow-based senior executive at one of Russia's top domestic tea brands told t quote, The Russian economic situation is generally stable, particularly the tea segment. He says consumers are getting enough tea at lower prices compared to May through July. In the UK, food inflation in July accelerated to 9.3%, according to The Sun. In August, the price of food increased to 10.5%, the most significant jump since 2008. U.S. food inflation hit 10.9% in July, the highest since May 1979. In contrast, in Russia, the ruble trades at pre-war exchange rates, and food prices are down 11.3% since the first of the year, thanks to government subsidies. Tea is a mature sector, considered a household staple, as more than 90% of Russians drink mainly black teas at home. According to the Moscow Tea Executive, quote, Russia's tea market is very consolidated. Four players hold 80% of the market. This is because the big food companies solved their sourcing problems quite efficiently. We noticed, for example, that Arimi has increased its market presence, taking share from smaller competitors, end quote. 75% of Russian consumption is tea bags, quote, We can switch from one origin to another quite easily, he explains. We manage blends and sign forward contracts to keep the costs low. We have almost stopped purchasing from Sri Lanka, switching to Assam and Kenya. Prices for OPA grades haven't risen so high as TGFOPs and FBOPs, he said. However, Shortages of European brands of orthodox process leaf and broken leaf grades have increased in price. Quote, for loose leaf orthodox teas, of course, it's a tough time, he says. We try to manage it by decreasing promotional sales to lower demand in supermarkets. However, he said that due to the slowing economy, consumers only buy premium teas on promos and won't pay full price. Teas for blending originate in Sri Lanka, India, and Kenya. Russian tea blenders have unlimited access to Chinese tea, but the demand for green tea is limited, comprising only 2.2% of the market. Shipments from India and UAE exceed pre-war levels. On the other hand, The sales value and volume of tea imports from Kenya and Sri Lanka have declined. Ceylon imports are down sharply. Sri Lanka's Orthodox tea still finds Russian buyers, but tea exports overall fell by 15 million kilos to 148 million kilos for the first six months compared to 2021. India bypassed EU and U.S. sanctions, so imports from Russia have soared by 369%, mainly due to purchases of discounted oil. While tea exports to Russia and Ukraine halted in March, tea shipments to Russia experienced a significant jump through June, as India resolved payment restrictions, trading rupees for rubles. Russia and the CIS neighbors are now the largest buyers of Indian tea, purchasing 20 million kilos of the 97 million kilos India exported during the six months of the year. Purchases were mainly Assam CTC. Availability and logistics proved formidable obstacles as tea production dropped from 180 million kilos to 152 million kilos in India due to erratic weather. Borders from Ukraine are flat, but the 15 million kilos Russia purchased during the first half of the year means that Russia will likely exceed last year's total. Business Insight Chinese exports to Russia are down 50% since the invasion, while Russian media reports that trade between Russia and China will reach an estimated one hundred sixty five to one hundred seventy billion dollars this year, breaking a record one hundred fifty billion in twenty twenty one. China is aggressively expanding tea exports valued at two point one billion last year, up twenty eight point six percent compared to twenty twenty. There is little demand for Russian teas in China. China imported only $167 million worth of tea last year, mainly from Japan. But given the vast capacity and rapid growth of black tea that China now produces, in 2023, China may displace Kenya as Russia's third largest tea trading partner. Kenya's tea industry is suffering severe collateral damage. Sanctions are a blunt instrument that have cost Kenya's tea sector millions of dollars. Countries that abide by European and American sanctions pay a high price for compliance. Kenya earns $1.3 billion annually in sales of agricultural products. Kenya's decision to publicly condemn the invasion of Ukraine immediately halted trade in tea, coffee, and cut flowers valued at $100 million. Food, including tea, is exempt from sanctions, but tea and coffee are traded in U.S. dollars, leading to complex and costly issues settling payments. Next, Fuel prices soared along with the price of essential fertilizer. The war sent inflation to a 58-month high. Grain prices spiked due to the high cost of replacing wheat grown in the Ukrainian prairie. Sanctions blocked $146 million worth of Russian exports bound for Kenya. In March, tea prices at the Mombasa auctions spiked briefly at around $2.50 per kilo, began sliding and are now hovering around $2 per kilo, which is at or below the cost of production. A global recession has reduced demand. Meanwhile, the cost of transporting a 40-foot container of tea tripled to $10,500, according to Business Daily Africa, insurance premiums spiked. Restrictions on shipping to Black Sea ports to reach blenders in Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and Azerbaijan added weeks to schedules. The logistics of shipping a container sometimes exceeded the price paid for the tea within. Resourceful Russians continue to buy Kenyan tea, but volume is down 15% from January through May. Shipments to individual CIS countries have dropped by as much as 72%, and earnings from Russian tea purchases are down by 5 million compared to 2021. During a recent earnings call, Tata Consumer Products, owners of Tata, Tetley, Jokuls, and Vitax tea brands, announced that it is ready to spend the sizable profits it harvested during the pandemic. Propelled by solid profits and a 300% increase in share prices during the last five years, TCPLCOO Ajit Krishna Kumar told India's business press that more acquisitions are a question of when, not if. He explained that inorganic growth is key to the company's strategy. Quote, The brand has to matter. The distribution should be common. There has to be a very good reason that we are the owners. End quote. Krishna Kumar told Mint. TCPL is expected to generate $1.6 billion in sales in 2022, recording a 38% quarterly net profit on sales at 2.7 million outlets. In addition, the company op- hopes to expand its distribution to 4 million outlets. CEO Sunil D'Souza said he is seeking opportunities beyond beverages, which currently contribute about 75% of consolidated revenue. Foods currently generate 25% of revenue and are seen as the path to growth. Souza told the financial press that his immediate goal is to simplify, synergize, and scale. One example is combining the company's tea and coffee extraction businesses and then looking for similar ventures to create a single manufacturing vertical. D'Souza estimates that the restructuring from 43 to 25 legal entities in 40 countries can be completed by June 2023. The ideal would be three to five legal entities globally, he said. Arvinda Anantharama and Bengaluru Reports on this week's tea auction prices.
2: India Tea Price Report for the week ending 3rd September 2022. August has been a busy month here in India. Half-yearly reports indicate a healthy increase in tea exports. Between January and June this year, India's tea exports grew from 86.46 million kilos in 2021 to 96.89 million kilos, and this despite the decrease in imports from Russia. And this increase is attributed to Sri Lanka's markets who looked at India for the orthodox supply. UAE in particular has been significant importing 15.86 million kilos, which is up from 6.76 million kilos last year. And Iran's imports have been up from 10 million to 11.4 million kilos for this time period. This has also meant that India has increased her production of orthodox tea and is expected to see an annual increase of 10 to 15% of orthodox tea and in August, orthodox leaf production was up by 9% for the same period last year, with a 37% increase in prices. However, in the Terai and Duars uh, region of North Bengal and in South India, heavy and unseasonal rainfall have led to a decrease in production. Through August, 78% of the offering was sold via auctions in North India, with prices averaging at 209 rupees per kilo. The Darjeeling continues to see low sale volumes at auctions. With only 57% sold and average prices of 356 rupees per kilo. In other news, Taiwan has taken steps to engage with India via tea. The Taiwanese representative, Bao ge was quoted in Indian media as saying the common tea culture between the two countries can facilitate bilateral cultural ties.
1: And now a word from our sponsor.
0: Q Trade understands that a successful tea blend goes beyond the creative fusion of appearance aroma, and flavor. Our multi-award winning product development team is passionate about converting natural ingredients into sensory experiences that customers crave. Every recipe is formulated with a commercial backbone of dependable quality sourcing with a pricing structure that supports a safe, regulated, profitable, and scalable blend. Q-Trade meets every brand's retail, food
2: service, and e-commerce need. For more information, visit our website, QTradeTeas.com.
1: tea biz this week travels to the newly remodeled Camellia Sinensis Tea House in Montreal, Canada, for a conversation with partner Kevin Gascon. Our stores have always offered options to smell the tea, he says, but we wanted to capture that special tasting moment and offer the possibility to take it further. The Camellia Sinensis retail store has undergone many physical changes since 2001 when it first opened in a space adjacent to the established tea room. But this is the most extensive, says partner Kevin Gascon, one of four master tea merchants who are partners in the venture. The company's brick-and-mortar flagship is completely reimagined and remodeled after COVID-19 lockdowns forced the tea house to close. The new design incorporates many time-proven aspects of tea retail, the most important of which is sampling. Gascon explains that clients appreciate the opportunity to select their tea sensorially. But he says, quote, Despite continued popularity and regular lineups of clients eager to visit, the changing times meant that those precious moments of magic we created with such love and care barely paid the bills. It required enormous micromanagement and many staff to offer such a complete experience to so many people. We are done with the impracticalities of the sit-down visit, but we wanted to capture that special tasting moment and offer the possibility to take it further. End quote. Hey, thanks, Kevin, for taking the time to share your retail insights with our listeners. Well, you're most welcome. I'm happy to be here with you. Will you describe how tea retail has changed since March 2020?
0: Well, yes, I mean... Things changed quite a bit. During the pandemic, we started off with this very nervous lockdown. At the very, very beginning, we had a bit of hoarding. So we had uh, a little bit of increased sales at that point. We had two operations going at that time. Uh, We had our tea shops where we sell tea over the counter uh, that operate on grocery store license. So they stayed open. They stayed open all the way through the pandemic. And then we also had the tea house where we served tea in a more restaurant situation. And that we had to close, obviously, that it just didn't fit with any of the protocols. The tea shops saw this initial increase due to the hoarding and the worrying of people that they wouldn't have what they needed for the future in an unsure situation. And after that, uh, things got a little quiet even during that time uh, people didn't stop drinking tea if anything they were at home and really felt like drinking tea they felt like uh, exploring and most people were in a sort of state of semi lockdown where they would go for a walk once a day where they would pick up necessities and uh, we became one of those stops on the way and having stayed open all the way through the pandemic We had this nice feeling of community of people coming to visit because we were one of the only places open and one of the only places that remained constant during the whole thing. The shop income didn't change too much. Uh, If anything, there was an increase because people were trying things to drink at home rather than drinking the tea that they have in the office and just putting up with whatever the office has. Or popping out to a little cafe next door and drinking it, whatever the little cafe has. They were at home. So they had this decision, uh, they were able to buy what they needed. And obviously a large part of our business also went online. We took all those staff and we took them to the warehouse where they helped out with the increase in web sales, having diverse channels like this and also having a website that was set up for large volume, larger volume than we were doing, we were lucky enough.
1: It sounds like the COVID lockdowns provided an opportunity for you to analyze both the tea house and tea shop retail from a new perspective. I
0: think uh, a big part of uh, the reason that our new setup is working partly is because we already had a very big base community and the community was built on... This, uh, dynamic relationship we had developed through one, having a tea house where we had educated many people on how to drink tea and also infused them with this idea of tea culture, uh, showing them the teaware and the way to taste rather than drink. We'd also, uh, always had an educational element where we'd put uh, thousands and thousands of people from the area and from Uh, far away, through uh, classes. So the level of tea-savvy people in this little city and uh, up in Quebec City is surprisingly high. So all these people have become a large uh, client base who are very loyal to the visit. And the visit has become something that we've established As uh, something pleasant to do, they come in. They talk about the tea. We also have to you have to remember that we have a stock that is continually changing. We have a dynamic catalogue that follows the seasons. So uh, the list on the counter is printed once a week. It's a it's continually changing. So there's a certain amount of that that you can get from the internet and have that type of flat purchase when you look at the picture. look at the review, you look at the description, and then you make a decision to buy. Uh, But there are also elements in this purchase that rely on a sensorial, uh, smelling the tea, Uh, now we're offering tasting the tea, Uh, but also this exchange with the enthusiasts who are behind the counter who can explain and talk about something that you can't really put across on the internet. And Something that uh, we have so many people that have got into this tradition of visiting the tea shop that that gives us a good base to start with. And it also keeps that uh, word of mouth trickle out for uh, a constant source of new clients. So the visit to the shop where something actually happens where you increase your excitement for the product, where you discover the product in a way that you can't necessarily do that on the internet, makes a big difference. And people are looking for activities to do, and they're looking for human connection, and they're looking for something that gives them a little outing here or there, you know, a 20-minute visit to the shop, looking at the new teaware, talking with the people behind the counter, discovering a new tea that you take home that continues this story is a great way to uh, it it makes a great big difference so you have to be thinking about providing these alternative ways and you have to make it into an event so that when they're visiting it's it's a our store is is tucked down a little street on the side street so it's a destination where people go, and they do it. They do this activity of going to the tea shop.
1: Let's talk about key performance indicators in post COVID retail. Food traffic at downtown brick and mortar locations declined steeply. Retail consultants estimate that in Montreal, the number of visitors has fallen by 74% since March 2020. Foot traffic has since increased 46% as of April. But overall, foot traffic is down 55% in cities like Montreal. What is the realistic average number of daily visits to a 1,000-square-foot store? And how has that changed?
0: Um, we saw this a little bit early in the, when the recession hit, is that there is a strange group of businesses, namely wine, uh fancy foods, some fancy food stores and fancy tea that fit into this strange little category that are kind of luxury essentials and during these times of and for many people staying at home and buying a few more fancy ingredients and a nice bottle of wine and a nice packet of tea, are our advantages for some companies so for us we sort of fit into this little category of the luxury essentials yes we're an essential for most people but during the times of hardship they're happy to have the same or even something a little bit better if they have to stay at home so uh, i think we even though foot traffic and so on in general population and in general businesses, has been this picture that you've described. Uh, I think for us, there are strangely some advantages. If you look at the sales figures for alcohol boards of the different provinces around Canada, most of them had very good sales during the pandemic. So I think we're kind of on that little, very small group of, of vendors that uh, have actually had some advantage during the period.
1: How much does the average customer spend during a typical visit?
0: I would say uh probably anywhere between forty dollars and four hundred and fifty dollars. It's right. quite variable. Obviously there's not, right. not every kind that's coming in and spending that. I would say the average is probably somewhere around forty forty to fifty dollars.
1: Comparing the same T's, do average store transactions differ from e-commerce?
0: E-commerce is usually a bit more. I think maybe the same client buying on the internet would buy every three or four weeks, whereas uh, we're more likely to have somebody that comes in once a week when they're doing a, a certain uh, routine. You know, well, they're either at work and they like to go every Tuesday lunchtime, or they're up at the market. We have a little shop up at the market. So they're up at the market and they have the shopping list of things they buy every week and the people they visit every week. So we're on that list, Both uh, type of clients. So yeah, wow. I'll see them. We'll see them at the same time, the same day, every week, rather than once a month if they bought on the internet. Also on the internet, when you're paying the, the shipping fees, I mean, we have a $60 uh, free shipping, so they'll pay a little more to get into the free shipping zone.
1: How many daily customer visits does it take to keep the doors open at tea shops like yours? Well, that is
0: very much independent. Rent is the big uh, killer. You've probably noticed that there are many cities that don't have tea stores it just, uh, just fit into the equation. Selling tea is a second-city activity. Right. So if you look at, in Canada, Toronto, uh, if you go to the States and you go to New York or go to London or Paris, uh, there are very few um, street-level uh, tea shops of the style of tea that we sell. They're all selling uh, value addition with extremely expensive packaging, fancy packaging. Uh, or they're selling tea in fancy packaging at a very high premium, on the sort of almost gifty level. Yeah, uh, it's very difficult to pay the rent with a with a tea uh, with a tea company like the one we have. And we've looked at uh, a lot of people. I mean, we have so many clients buying on the internet in Toronto we went down there and had a look at the rents but our operation wouldn't work in a in a major city like toronto where the rents are so high uh, certainly not in new york very difficult to run a, a tea company off off the, on a new york rent you'd have to sell so much tea if we look at large tea chains what they do is they buy tea at a much lower price with a much lower margin Uh, so that they can make enough uh, money to pay those rents because I think the reality is that a a company like ours can only really survive in a small city like Montreal where the rents are, are still very affordable.
1: Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and T-experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-biz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week.